got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs>
This one's for our president. Good morning, everybody. Labor and Love Radio. women, takes advantage of young girls, and lies every chance he gets. Unfamiliar? Ready for a little blues? Yeah. 
Good morning, mutineers. Um, welcome to the Labor and Love Show in a Plague Year. As we are every Saturday, we're here. Laying down the tracks. Giving you labor notes, labor opinion, labor history, <coughs> labor news, labor commentary, labor history. It's all here on Labor and Love Show <coughs> on Mutiny Radio. Coming out of the Mutiny Radio studio at 2781 21st Street. And we are here no matter the plague. Hope you're all feeling okay this Saturday morning. Hope you're taking every precaution. Welcome to Labor and Love Radio where the labor meets the road. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you are, where you work, you're on the menu. And the menu is served this week and the last two weeks. As millions of American workers were laid off, as we know. Okay, we started off that set with Linda Ronstadt, who sings that song, that Chuck Berry song, with such fire. Okay, the song is pure poetry. Back in the USA, that line, uh, you can get high for a dime down at Shorty's Corner Cafe. Hamburgers on the griddle, night and day, jukebox jumping with records back in the USA. Worthy of our great, greatest poets. And then we had Lydia Mendoza calling our president what he is, a mal hombre. A man who is taking every opportunity, even in this pandemic time, to magnify himself and make him the most important thing in the room. A man who's short on empathy. For after all, if you train for a, <clears throat> a business career and you're a businessman, where do you ever learn to be empathetic? Where do you ever learn to have mercy? You don't. Perhaps it's time to take a look at our business ethics. At the things that we in the United States now accept as ethical behavior. Okay, and the last one was amazing. Beverly Guitar Watts Watkins. Just destroying. Great B.B. King song, Rock Me Baby. Also a hit for uh, Lee Michaels. We'll play some more Beverly guitar in a little while. Uh, she is a, a revelation to me. I'm supposed to know something about the blues. <laughs> okay, let's take a look. I, I want to start with the most upsetting one. America has abandoned its shadow workforce. Now, these are case history. These are real people. 
And when all of a sudden you, you lose your job, when a build, uh, business is no longer making a profit, they fire you. Okay, you're on the menu. The government is falling all over itself trying to help small businesses, right? And they're going to send some money to Americans too, directly to Americans. But let's take a look at that money. How much is $1,200? Okay. This is from Truth Out. And they're saying just about everyone is saying they can't live on $1,200. Want to know something else? The federal minimum wage is $7.25 times a 40-hour week. It's about $11.60 a month. Rounded up to $1,200. Think about that the next time you say minimum wage workers don't deserve a livable wage. All you people, all of us, you know, who are used to having jobs and used to working, used to kowtowing to the capitalist way of survival, which is work. Now the work's been taken away. What do we do? Well, let's read this article. Coronavirus has made America abandon its shadow workforce. Undocumented residents have lost their jobs and aren't getting government checks, but the bills keep coming. Now, by inventing this community, the United States government has invented this community, undocumented people within the United States. They invented the idea of talking about them as one whole thing with an agenda and everything. By doing that, we've put them into the shadows. We've uh, abandoned them, as this article says. And the bar where she worked closed three weeks ago. Maria found herself out of a job. Her 17-year-old son has been home all day playing cell phone games since schools closed in the middle of March. Family has no computer, which makes it hard for her son to keep up with his classes and hard for her to find work. Her oldest son lost his job, too in a pizzeria on campus of a local university, which, like everything, is closed. Maria's story is typical of many low-income Americans laid off by their employers, turned away from shuttered institutions, and cut off from typical support network due to social distancing plus the fact that Maria is an undocumented immigrant from Mexico. While her neighbors file for unemployment insurance and await $1,200 checks from the government, which, as we just showed, is woefully, woefully not good enough. 
Maria dips into her meager savings to keep the heat on. She does not know how she will pay the rent due on April 15th or even how to communicate to her lawyer because she can't speak English. And there's no sign they'll need her to clean the bar anytime soon. 12 million undocumented immigrants. The other thing we invented when we invented this community, when our government invented this community, is this population that could very easily spread the coronavirus because they don't want to go to institutions. They're shadow people. They can't come out of the shadows and claim or ask for help. Rendira <sighs> Rendon, a DACA recipient, recipient who runs immigration work at the Chicago-based Resurrection Project, says immigrants need the same thing native-born Americans do, cash. Boost programs like SNAP, unemployment insurance, or Medicaid won't help Rendon's undocumented parents who have lost their income since her mom came down for the possible coronavirus test in mid-March. Father, who's a diabetic, is stocking up on insulin at the advice of his doctor. Her brother's handyman business has dried up. No one in my family is making any money. Anyway, this is a good article. Check it out. Always the first to feel the effects of public policy. The defenseless, the children. Okay, let's get on to our radio labor. I wanted to get that first. Here's radio labor, our world labor report. In the report this week, how the right wing will take advantage of the pandemic, the dangerous work of ship breaking, the Labor Start report about union events and singing. This is Radio Labor. Naomi Klein, author of the 2007 book, The Shock Doctrine, is warning that corporations and their right-wing supporters will take advantage of the pandemic. The world economy is seizing up in the face of cascading shocks. COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. In the wake of the coronavirus crisis, stocks have stopped trading on Wall Street after a 7% drop. This is a historical day, the biggest drop we've seen since that crash in 1987. The drop was spurred by a growing oil price war as the market was already weakened by coronavirus fears. Yeah, no, I don't take responsibility at all. In the midst of this widespread panic, 
Corporate lobbyists of all stripes are of course dusting off all the ideas they had lying around. Trump is pushing a suspension of the payroll tax, which could bankrupt Social Security, providing the excuse to cut it or privatize it completely. There are the ideas being floated to bail out some of the wealthiest and most polluting sectors in our economy. Bailouts for fracking companies, not to mention cruise ships, airlines and hotels, handouts which Trump could benefit from personally, which is a big problem because the virus isn't the only crisis we face. There's also climate disruption, and these industries that are getting rescued with our money are the ones driving it. Trump has also been meeting with the private health insurers. We're meeting with the top executives of the health insurance companies. The very ones who have made sure that so many Americans can't afford the care they need. And what are the chances they don't have their hands out? The Fed's first move was to pump $1.5 trillion into the financial markets, with more undoubtedly on the way. But if you're a worker, especially a gig worker, there's a very good chance you're out of luck. If you do need to see a doctor for care, there's a good chance no one's gonna help you pay if you aren't covered. And if you want to heed the public health warnings to stay home from work, there's also a chance that you won't get paid. Of course, you still need to pay your rent and all of your debts, medical, student, credit card, mortgage. The results are predictable. Too many sick people have no choice but to go to work, which means more people contracting and spreading the virus. And without comprehensive bailouts for workers, we can expect more bankruptcies and more homelessness down the road. Look, we know this script. In 2008, the last time we had a global financial meltdown, the same kinds of bad ideas for no strings attached corporate bailouts carried the day and regular people around the world paid the price. And even that was entirely predictable. 13 years ago, I wrote a book called The Shock Doctrine, The Rise of Disaster Capitalism. It described a brutal and recurring tactic by right-wing governments. After a shocking event, a war, coup, terrorist attack, market crash, or natural disaster, they exploit the public's disorientation, suspend democracy, through radical free market policies that enrich the 1% at the expense of the poor and middle class. But here is what my research has taught me. Shocks and crises don't always go the shock doctrine path. In fact, it's possible for crisis to catalyze a kind of evolutionary leap. Think of the 1930s when the Great Depression led to the New Deal. The only thing we have to In the United States and elsewhere, governments began to weave a social safety net so that the next time there was a crash, there would be programs like Social Security to catch people. The right of every family to a decent home, the right to adequate medical care, and the opportunity to achieve and enjoy good health. Look, we know what Trump's plan is pandemic shock doctrine featuring all the most dangerous ideas lying around, from privatizing Social Security to locking down borders to caging even more migrants. Hell, he might even try canceling elections. But the end of this story hasn't been written yet. It is an election year, and social movements and insurgent politicians are already mobilized. 
And like in the 1930s, we have a whole bunch of other ideas lying around. Do we believe that everybody should be entitled as a right to health care? Yeah. We will not stop organizing and fighting until all unhoused folks who want shelter have shelter. Canceling student debt. It makes so much sense that uh, if you're sick that you should not be penalized where you don't have an income. Many of these ideas were dismissed as too radical just a week ago. Now they're starting to seem like the only reasonable path to get out of this crisis and prevent future ones. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues its horrendous onslaught, the world is becoming increasingly aware of global supply lines supported by, for example, merchant ships. There are more than 50,000 merchant ships working on the world's oceans. Little attention is paid to what happens to those ships when they come to the end of their lifespan. What happens is that they are broken up for scrap metal and other resources. The workers employed in shipbreaking work long hours with poor pay in very dangerous conditions. More than 200,000 workers are employed directly in the industry. A million are in the associated dependent industries. To find out more about the workers involved in shipbreaking, I talked to Ken Matsuzaki. Mr. Matsuzaki is the director of the Department of Industrial Global Union, focused on shipbuilding and shipbreaking. Industrial is a global union federation which represents more than 50 million workers in the mining, energy, and manufacturing sectors. I asked Mr. Matsuzaki to describe shipbreaking. Shipbreaking is the process of ship recycling, and ship owners will sell the ships to the shipbreakers, and shipbreakers try to recycle these ships. 95% of ships can be reused or recycled. Mainly, this is the steel recycling. And this goes to mainly the steel or the building industries. What countries are involved in shipbreaking? Actually, five countries is the main country of shipbreaking, uh, namely India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, China, and Turkey. But more than 90% of shipbreaking is done by only three countries, which is India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. So mainly this industry is located in South Asia region. And we estimate about more than 130,000 workers are directly employed by these three countries, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, in the shipbreaking industry. And we estimate that more than 1 million workers are working in the downstream industry of the shipbreaking. What do you mean by the downstream industries? Downstream industry is that after uh, steel has been taken out from the ship, then steel goes to a refinery process. So this is the beginning of the uh, downstream industry. And also, not only the steel, the, in the ships, there's uh, many, many the equipment can be recycled or reused. So there's a uh, you know, the market which sells those kind of the, the equipment and also uh, the products that have been used inside of the ship. For example, the downstream industry, they recycle the plastic rope or they reset again the furniture uh, on board. So that is the downstream industry. What are some of the health and safety problems associated with ship breaking? Ship breaking industry is a highly, highly dangerous activity. 
the workers are exposed by mainly the toxic materials. For example, if it's, this is oil tankers or the gas tankers, when it comes to receipt breaking, then workers are exposed to buy uh, in the remaining uh, gas and oil, and also in the ships. So you know sometimes it contains PCBs, and also the ships which were built before 1986, uh, mainly they are contain a lot of asbestos. So um, this is highly dangerous job. Do workers die in the process of breaking up the ships? Yes, we actually see a lot of uh, fatal accidents uh, in the shipbreaking, especially in the uh, developing countries like India, Bangladesh, Pakistan. For example, three years ago in Bangladesh, 29 workers died uh, because of the explosion of the one shipbreaking activity. And for example, in Bangladesh last year, more than 50 workers actually got fatal accident. We actually see lots of lots of deaths. Here with his report is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labor Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world. These days, a large majority of the stories they post on our site have to do with the COVID-19 crisis, of course. In response to the crisis, Labor Start has created a special page on our site. One consistent theme to our coverage has been the global push by unions for proper compensation for workers subjected to lockdowns or the loss of employment. We saw some good news on that front last week from Canada and Australia, where trade unions have won an expansion of coverage for casual and gig workers. But in much of the global south and in countries governed by neoliberal policies, the focus on preserving business over people continues. Labor Start carried the latest report by the International Labor Organization on employment losses and its impact around the world. Devastating and unprecedented are the only words that come close to describing the impact of COVID-19 on workers. Nowhere is that impact more clearly in evidence than in Bangladesh. Millions of migrant garment workers lost their jobs and their income when the virus hit. The vast majority of the women working in the garment industry have had to return to their families in rural areas, families they have been supporting with their wages. No social benefits are available to these workers. Short walkouts by healthcare workers demanding better equipment, preparations, and training to deal with the COVID-19 crisis have occurred in dozens of countries. At the same time, strikes like the oil workers walkout in Colombia have been redesigned so as to ensure social distancing, and some strikes have been delayed by the unions involved. But in other cases, governments have moved to freeze labor relations, ending strikes even before they have begun. And in countries like Hungary and Poland and Canada and Brazil and France, Governments are using the crisis to undermine labor rights in ways that make it clear they intend the changes to be permanent. And in Cambodia, wage theft strikes have become a daily event as companies producing clothing for the global brands shut down and disappear while owing millions in wages. The same pattern in the same industry is repeated across Central America, though in South Africa, garment workers have won full pay for the lockdown. Other predominantly female jobs, such as domestic workers and sex workers, have not only seen unprecedented drops in employment, but these are occupations not covered by regular or emergency social benefits in most countries. 
the impact of the COVID-19 crisis is very clearly gendered. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is the American folk singer Woody Guthrie with You Fascists Are Bound to Lose. Well, I'm going to tell you fascists, you may be surprised. People in this world are getting organized. You're bound to lose, you fascists bound to lose. And that's it. International labor news you can't use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
of us feel like this is what we're doing these days. Sitting in the morning sun, I'll be sitting when the evening comes, watching the ships roll in, then I watch them roll away again, sitting on a dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. Thank you. Sitting on a dock of the bay, wasting time. Hey, hey, thanks now. I left my home in Georgia, headed for that Frisco Bay. I had nothing to live for. Look like nothing gonna come on way. Oh, I'm just a sitting on a dock of the bay. By mail. I know, but the legislature overturned that, so people had to go in person and vote. Same similar thing happened in Kansas. The governor made it a point to tell people to go home and shelter themselves. The legislature, the Republican Trump loyalist legislatures, legislature countermanded her order and said, go ahead, people, go out. Get sick and die. We got to keep business going. What will happen when we can't keep business going? Okay. One last thing. Quinn Stevens, a 22-year-old student at Santa Barbara, City College lost his job as a server at a hotel restaurant early this month. Before that, he had continued going to work even after his manager said employees could turn down shifts <coughs> if they were nervous about COVID-19. He was trying to save money for tuition and the gravity of the pandemic had not yet set in. <coughs> But he's changed his mind now. I'd lean towards staying home at this point because I'm seeing how my actions can affect so many others. Going outside and continuing life as normal 
right now at least, would be a big mistake that could lead to a lot of people dying. A young man of conscience, huh? Well, the uh, artist, another artist that I really wanted to headline today is John Prime. We just lost John Prime uh, recently to the coronavirus, by the way. Um, Prime was someone I, I mean, I didn't know much about. Um, kind of songwriter, sort of respected almost universally by a lot of different people. He's from Alabama. We'll go into his biography. This is called That's How Every Empire Fails, John Prime. Just a broken man in flight Running scared with all his devils Saying prayers all through the night But mercy can't find him Not in the shadows where he crawls Forsaking all his better angels that's how every empire falls. The bells ring out on Sunday morning Like echoes from another town Sense and yearning and sense of wonder left behind. Oh, gentle heart, remember what was that story? Is it lost? For when religion loses vision, that's how every empire falls. Still a stranger to them all 
for when the heart is never open, that's how every empire falls. the door and board the windows and put the people in the street it's just my job he says i'm sorry and draws a check goes home to eat but at night he tells his woman i know i hide behind the laws she says you're only taking orders that's how every empire falls. A bitter wind blows through the country. A hard rain falls on the sea. Terror comes without a warning. There must be something we don't see. Well, fire begets this fire, like torches thrown into the straw. If no one asks and no one answers, that's how every empire falls. Western Kentucky, where my parents were born. And there's a backwards old town that's often remembered so many times that my memories are worn. And Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River, where paradise lay? Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away. Well, sometimes we travel right down the Green River to the abandoned old prison down by Avery Hill, where the air smell like snakes and we'd shoot with our pistols. But empty pop bottles was all we would kill. And Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River, where paradise lay? Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. 
Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away. Then the coal company came with the world's largest shovel and they tortured the timber and stripped all the land. Well, they dug for their coal till the land was forsaken. Then they rode it all down as the progress of man. And daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County down by the Green River where paradise lay. Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away. When I die, let my ashes float down the Green River. Let my soul roll on up to the Rochester Dam. I'll be halfway to heaven with paradise wings. Just five miles away from wherever I am. And Daddy, won't you take me back to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River, where paradise lay. Well, I'm sorry, my son, but you're too late in asking. Mr. Peabody's coal train has hauled it away. Some humans ain't human Some people ain't kind You open up their hearts And here's what you'll find A few frozen pizzas Some ice cubes with hair A broken popsicle You don't want to go there Some humans ain't human Though they walk like we do They live and they breathe Just to turn the old screw They screw you when you're sleeping The 
they try to screw you blind Some humans ain't human Some people ain't kind You might go to church And sit down in a pew Those humans who ain't human Be sitting right next to you To talk about your family To talk about your clothes When they don't know their own ass From their own elbows Jealousy and stupidity Don't equal harmony Jealousy and stupidity ever noticed when you're feeling really good there's always a pitcher that'll come shit on your hood or you're feeling your freedom and the world's off your back Some cowboy from Texas starts his own war in Iraq. Some humans ain't human. Some people ain't kind. They lie through their teeth. your head up there behind you open up their hearts and here's what you find some humans ain't human 
some people ain't got Talk a little about John Prine now. Not someone, as I said, who I'm really aware of or who I've listened to a lot. Prine was active as a composer, recording talent, and live performer from the early 1970s until his death last year, or this year, in fact, just a few days ago. That kind of a humorous style of uh, country and western music, elements of protest. As you heard in that one, some people ain't kind, talking about how the president went off and started a war in uh, Iraq. He was born and raised in Illinois, in Maywood, Illinois. Served in the U.S. Army in the middle 60s and returned to live in Chicago where he worked as a mailman writing and singing his songs as a hobby. He was discovered by Chris Christopherson the story goes, although Prine himself credited film critic critic Roger Ebert and um, produced his first record in 1971 the acclaim earned by this LP led Prime to focus in on his music career. Three albums for Atlantic. Widely cited as one of the most influential songwriters of his generation, Prine was known for his humorous lyrics about love, life, and current events, as well as serious songs with social commentary and songs that recollect melancholy tales from his life. 2020 received the uh, Lifetime Award from the Grammy. From Grammys. Died April 7th. This last week. John Prine. I'm looking for... Uh, Go on the labor beat for a minute. General Electric workers walk off the job, demand to make ventilators. 
It's an older story and uh, on Monday, General Electric factory workers walked off the job and demanded that the company convert its jet engine factories to make ventilators. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Workers protested at GE's Lynn, Massachusetts Aviation Facility, holding a silent protest, standing six feet apart. Union members at the company's Boston headquarters also marched six feet apart, calling on the company to use its factories to help the country close its ventilator shortage. Amid the Korea coronavirus pandemic. Here's a particularly ugly little story. Representative Judy Chu, Democrat of California, told NBC in an interview on Tuesday that attacks on Asian Americans are at about Hundred per day. Hundred, a thousand hate crime incidents being reported against American, Asian Americans since the pandemic reached the United States, according to NBC News. The numbers come from the hate incident reporting site spearheaded by three AAPI civil rights organizations. He also cited examples of hate crimes against Pacific Asian Americans advancing justice, stabbing of three Chinese Americans in Texas, an Asian man in San Francisco attacked while collecting cans, and a 16-year-old Asian American sent to the hospital after school bullies accused him of having the virus. This is how America reacts in a crisis. Put the blame on somebody, which Mr. Trump is a master at. Okay. Recently, we were blaming uh, working people from south of our border of invading our country and bringing all sorts of bad things and committing all sorts of bad things hurt our country. Now it's the Asians. Now it's the Chinese. The World Health Organization, which Mr. Trump is trying to blame for his lack of any kind of empathy, lack of any kind of coherent plan. It's like I get up and talk and then everyone else has to follow along. Anyway, Trump defended his use of the term at first. He claimed that the the virus was the Chinese virus was not racist to call it that because it originated in China. Last week his tone shifted when he tweeted that it was important that we totally protect our Asian American community in the United States and all around the world. Too little too late. 
Representative Chu says. He continues to double down on that term and his followers continue to double down on the term. What he should do is send a strong message to his followers to not say that. Okay. Can't leave without playing. something sweet. Now it ain't the melody and it ain't the music. There's something else that makes this tune complete. Yes, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing.
Great Louis Armstrong, don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. And this one I wanted to play, especially this is from Portside, and it's Heroes of the Pandemic. These are all the spokespeople on the right, from Sean Hannity to Limbo to Dobbs to Ingram to Pence to Trump, Kellyanne Conway. This is what they had to say about the pandemic late in February and early in March when the affliction was spreading all over the world and all over our country. See if we can get them on here. Tonight, I can report the sky is absolutely falling. We are all doomed. The end is near. The apocalypse is imminent, and you're going to all die. Or at least that's what the media mob would like you to think. I'm dead right on this. The coronavirus is, is, is the common cold, folks. The hype of this thing as a pandemic, as the Andromeda strain, as, oh, my God, if you get it, you're dead. This is one of those cases where the, the more I learn about coronavirus, the less concerned I am. There's a lot of hyperbole. The national left-wing media playing up fears of the coronavirus. The sky is falling because we have a few dozen cases of coronavirus on a cruise ship. I am far more concerned with stepping on a used heroin needle than I am getting the coronavirus, but maybe that's just me. It's a virus like the flu. All the talk about coronavirus being so much more deadly doesn't reflect reality. This virus should be compared to the flu because at worst, at worst, worst case scenario, it could be the flu. The far more deadly, more lethal threat right now is not the coronavirus, it's, this, it's the ordinary old flu. People are dying right now. Nobody has died yet in the United States, as far as we know, from this disease. That's right. Folks. And the facts are actually pretty reassuring, but you never know it, watching all this stuff. You want to know how I really feel about the coronavirus, Juan? If I get it, I'll beat it. I'm not afraid of the coronavirus, and no one else should be that afraid either. It is very, very difficult to contract this virus. It's milder than we thought. The fatality rate is going to drop. So when you hear the context, it's not quite as scary. It's actually the safest time to fly. Everyone I know that's flying right now, terminals are pretty much dead. And then the planes, remember back in the day when you had a seat next to you possibly empty? You could stretch out a little more. It's like that on every flight now. One of the things you can do if you're healthy, uh, you and your family, it's a great time to just go out, go to a local restaurant. Yeah. Likely you can get in, get in easily. Republican Congressman Matt Gates mocked concerns about the spread of the virus by wearing a gas mask on Capitol Hill. When a reporter in the Capitol asked Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma, 85, what precautions he was taking, he extended his arm with confidence. Want to shake hands? Uh, in our line of work. Uh, you shake hands. I expect uh, the president will continue to do that. I'll continue to do it. We have contained this. We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. It is being contained. And do you not think it's being contained? Zero people in the United States of America have died from the coronavirus. Zero. This is a flu. This is like a flu. It's going to disappear one day. It's like a miracle. It will disappear. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. I took it very seriously. By the way, this program has always taken the coronavirus seriously. Okay, there you have it. All the prophets on the right. The 
the heavy duty hitters on the right from Fox News, etc., talking about how the coronavirus is nothing but the flu and don't be scared of it and nobody's died of it. That was on February 27th. Five, six weeks later now, we've got hundreds of thousands of people who've died of it. Um, if you want somebody to tell your fortune, don't ask these people. They don't know. All right, this is the Labor and Love Show. Let's get on the labor beat, see what we've got. This is from Dr. Barber, Reverend Barber. A virus is teaching us that from now on, living wages, guaranteed health care for all, unemployment and labor rights are not far-left issues, but issues of right versus wrong and life versus death. Reverend William Barber. Charles Koch of the Koch brothers, the famous Koch brothers, pushed one billion cut for the CDC, now attack shelter-in-place policies for harming business. Now, these are the guys, the ultra-rich and the rich who want you to get back to work. Your only way to survive in a capitalistic society is to work. Now they're taking away that work. The secret is that they don't want us to realize that without our work, there is no capital. Circumstances have taken our work away from us, so they hurry falling all over themselves to give you a little money, not much, a little money, so you can get back to work and produce profit. Secretary of Labor, one of the people in the Trump administrations, said that it was important to get people back to work. It was important. And the reason is our work makes them rich. Okay. We didn't come to work here. We just come to work here. We didn't come to die. Just come. 
may take you out to Coos Bay, Oregon, and if they do, be sure to look up Harry Stamper, the longshoreman who wrote this song, when the Occupational Safety and Health Act, OSHA, first passed in 1970. Harry hoped it had stopped the annual slaughter of American workers, and it helped until 1980 when something mysterious and evil happened in Washington, D.C. Suddenly, those OSHA guys were nowhere to be found, and going to work can be more hazardous than ever to your health. Don't be one of the 58,000 American workers who are going to die this year from work-related injuries and illness. If your boss tells you to do something dangerous at work, there's only one of two things you can do. You can tell your boss what Harry Stamper told his boss. Of course, you'll have to ask Harry about that. I can't tell you here. Or take a tip from Nancy Reagan and just say no. No! You know, we sat still through eight years. A Reagan watched OSHA brought down to his knees. Saw lots of union busting and watched our plants busting while our jobs were shipped overseas. But of course things will settle tomorrow the same. We're here to tell him that he better not try. Because we just come to work in. We don't come to die. You know, Mary Harris Jones was a top organizer and her words still inspire me today. And if she took a look at our working conditions, Talking about a worker's memorial day more in the dead while they're ringing the bell. But just remember Mother Jones when it comes to the living and you know we gotta fight like hell. And while you're up there talking in an air-conditioned office on a telephone that's supposed to approve, go on and tell me how much you've been spending on safety for me. Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Welcome to Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman or Carl or better known as L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's our acronym. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. I was just telling people that if they want to find us on their podcast feed, they should search by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, 
we stream live on mutinyradio.fm every Sunday at 2 p.m., although this uh, episode is being recorded, uh, as you can tell by my telephone voice. Uh, Carl and I are going to watch the full-length movie on YouTube. We've been doing this for four years. You can check us out at Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube on Facebook. You can check our Twitter and our YouTube channel at L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And before you watch the movie, call us. himself in Lost Angels. Oh, 1989. Woof. Woof. And uh, in the Beastie Boys book, Ad-Rock urges you please not to see this film. So go to our YouTube channel. And break... L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And also... What else did I... Beware the blob. Right. Beware the blob. Because I wanted I Dream a Genie, dude. He did a great f- job. It's a great film. And also, he Not Blood Court was in it. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're uh, one of your man crushes. Speaking of man crush, we have Carl's other man crush on the line, the Countdown King himself, Mr. Paul Brumbach. Paul, hello from uh, the Brumbach uh, barracks, I guess. I like to think I'm in the coronavirus. Wait, you're in the what? I'm in the coronavirus. 